but it's third and six. Nothing that says on Christmas Eve you can't make third and six. Snap back. Throws the ball deep to the middle. Lamb at the five. Stop. Spin. Dances in. Touchdown, Cowboys, and their first lead on Christmas Eve. The Cowboys' number one receiver getting it done from QB1. Man, how much better did it make Christmas Eve? Right? I'm sitting there in the kitchen. The wife is getting ready to get on me for getting the food on the table. Will you just slice the brisket? And I'm like, I'm in the kitchen, slicing, head over the right shoulder. And I, I was just trying to figure out how the mood of the dinner would have changed if the Eagles ended up winning that game. It just felt like you were absolutely free to enjoy and celebrate the rest of the holiday weekend. It definitely helped because uh, that would have, but see, I don't know. I, I mean, objectively, I think from my, my point of view and your point of view, I think I, I found myself standing down there even feeling like Philly was going to score at the end and still saying to myself, this has been a hell of a game though. Like, it's yeah. just been incredibly entertaining. Amazing and if lo- game. If you lose, it sucks, but it's kind of like they got the ball last. Like, it was one of the, it felt like one of those whoever gets the ball last type of games is going to win it. And so it, it would have been a bummer for sure. And it, and it helped that Dallas won. But I think I still would have come out of that game feeling good about what Dallas does, even if they end out losing, you know, late. What was it like in the locker room afterwards? Pretty, pretty jovial. Pretty, pretty excited, pretty happy. Um, the, the the lone unhappy soul appeared to be Kelvin Joseph, but uh, outside of that, everybody seemed uh, pretty thrilled. And, Why? Because he didn't play a single defensive snap, I guess. <laughs> uh, kind of sat at his locker with a thousand-mile stare for about 15 minutes. Oh, but, I'm glad it's all about the team then. Yeah, the team, the team, the team. But, um, no, overall, I think everybody was was thrilled. And you, you, you could hear Dak. Dak ran right into the locker room and hugged Dan Quinn, and they started jumping up and down and screaming together. And so they were all... I think this was a huge relief to them. As Dak said, it wasn't so much about a statement to the rest of the league. This game wasn't a chance to make a statement to them. It was a chance to make a statement to themselves about what they can be and what they can do. And that's what they did against that Philly pass defense and pass rush. You're not going to face a tougher test in terms of pressure in Dak's face and coverage ability than what Philly can present and passed it with flying colors. Dak was 27 to 35 for 347, 9.9 per attempt. Three touchdowns, got sacked six times. He got sacked six times, and the QBR was at 86. My Lord, no running game out there, but CeeDee Lamb, T.Y. Hilton, and Michael Gallup making plays, along with four turnovers caused by the defense. Here's Mike McCarthy on his quarterback responding after the pick six. I don't know if you can respond any better. Obviously, you had the interception, you know, um, you know, great play. I mean, the play you don't see every day, that's for sure. Um, just didn't get the ball high enough. But, you know, I, I think, you know, clearly his performance, I think going 15, to, you know, I think he went 15 completions in a row, but um, just played at a huge level tonight. You can see they crashed the run game. It did, they did a, the run defense was was really good. Um, but most important thing, I thought Kellen did a, a really good job staying the course, uh, get, still getting the run attempts and, and making sure Tony and Zeke were touching the football. So, huh. and and obviously we got it done through the passing game today. That's really interesting that he said that. So Greg Olson, I was just tweeting you the whole time. Greg Olson was killing them to open up the third quarter, and and you had brought up this Kellen criticism last week. Olson's like, why are you running? Dak Prescott is the reason that you blew up offensively 
in the first half. Why are you hammering the ball over and over and over again? They had that big fourth down in their own territory. Four straight runs. That was four straight runs. I believe it was the second drive of the second half. But Olsen is like, am I missing something? I just don't get it. And there's McCarthy praising Kellen for sticking with the run in this game. Yeah, look, you want to, whenever there's a wall. They were averaging 2.9 a carry. Yeah, I mean, whenever there's a brick wall, you want to run your head into it as many times as you can. (laughs) Jason Garrett's Um, philosophy. Yeah, that's just, that's what you got to (laughs) do. No, look, I I get the, you can't, you you know, you want to keep the run threat there. You want to have people play honest, everything like that. I understand all that. That's fair. That's fine. But man, like the four straight runs there or the week before in Jacksonville, where you get into first and goal and you ran it four straight times and turn the ball over. Like, I don't understand what you're doing there. And and part of the things we talk about where they get into third and six and third and seven, and that's where they're executing their big plays. Why are you running it on the first two downs? Now, look, the Eagles were 19th against the run. So if we're going into this game, we go Eagles are number one pasty, 19th against the run. You'd be a dumbass not to say maybe we should try to run the football against them, right? But then you got to look at how the game flow is going. And again, Olsen was calling them out in the third quarter. Uh, Three runs in a row. They go for a fourth and one on their own 35. At that point, they had 26 runs against 22 passes in the game, averaging 2.9. Yeah, and remember, averaging 2.9 with Dak scrambles in there. Two of their three longest runs on Saturday were Dak. Mm. Dak ran for 6.8 yards per carry. Zeke was 3.4. Tony Pollard was 2.1. It wasn't working. And to that point, though, Dallas has struggled against the run. Philadelphia doesn't run very well, and they figured out, oh, but today it's not working. We're not picking it up today. We're getting three yards of carry. We're going to have Gardner Minshew throw it 40 times. They adjusted. Adjust similarly. Over to who the Cowboys are going to be getting in the postseason. Ugh. God, my wife, she's like, why are you still watching this? You don't have to work the next day. I'm like, they're going to face Brady. It's an overtime. We get home. We go to the second family's house. We get home, and I'm like, this game is still on. Tampa Bay beats Arizona 19-16. Does this all but lock it in round one in Florida? I think so. Uh, and, and, I mean, you've got – there's still a chance. I think the the way this has to go the last couple weeks is you would need – Carolina to win both and I think Tampa has to lose both in order and then they've got Carolina and Tampa play each other this upcoming week so that'll really put an end to it well like like if Tampa wins this week it's Tampa that's who you're getting in the playoffs and so I, I still think that's what we're looking at here is that it's going to be Tampa Bay Dallas going on the road having to play Brady who they've never beat and I, I understand I know you hate it because you're like this is a bad football team right now Tampa Bay there's nothing you should be worried about but there's still there's still a little bit of the boogeyman factor, Sean. Twenty eighth in the NFL in points, seventeen points a game, seventeen points a game as they barely beat Arizona. I've got. Let me look this up. I saw this yesterday. Let's let's take a look at some of the career lows for Tom Brady this year. Touchdown percentage, career low. Uh, his yards per attempt is at a career low. His yards or his adjusted yards per attempt is at a career low. Yards per completion is under 10 for the first time in his career. His QBR is the lowest of his career. It's at 49. <laughs> the lowest he ever had before that was 55.7. Yeah, he got me eliminated in fantasy. Mm. Appreciate that. Who's in our championship? I think it's Larry and is it Will too? 
Will Chambers? I think so. He was the one seed, I believe. One or two seed. Okay. Cheering for Larry. Hook him, Larry. <sighs> I love Larry, but I'm going to root for Will. Oh. I'm going I'm to I'm root for Will. Yeah, you, you and your Longhorn love. So that's what happened with Tampa Bay. That's what it looks like is going to take place in round one for the Cowboys. Brad Sham at 720. Jerry Jones at 830 this morning. Nathaniel Hackett got fired yesterday by the Denver Broncos. 15 weeks in, they said, nope, no more. We're not waiting. Had to happen. Like, like I mean, honestly, haven't we all sat around for the last several weeks and been like, this is just, you You can't go forward with him. He's, he's clearly a bust. My favorite tweet yesterday was somebody dug up an old tweet from June from James Palmer at NFL Network, and it said, Broncos' Nathaniel Hackett continues to think outside the box as a first-time head coach. He saw his kids using the personalized trivia game Kahoot, and now he's using the game to test his players on the new offensive system in a timed competition. <laughs> and Kevin Clark from the Ringer quote tweeted it said, can't believe this didn't work. <laughs> yeah. 22 <laughs> offensive touchdowns in 15 games. They scored under 17 11 times this year for Aaron Rodgers, hand-picked offensive guru genius from Green Bay. And you said... What's going to happen when Nathaniel Hackett is our offensive coordinator next year? <laughs> you texted us that? Yeah. How's everybody going to react when Nathaniel Hackett's the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys after Why uh, are you Kellen saying Moore? that? Just because if Kellen Moore leaves, they're going to need a new offensive coordinator. Brian Schottenheimer very well maybe going to, to Denver with uh, Dan Quid. Now, I'm not saying that's happening, but that's, that's there's Do they chatter. like Hackett? Is there ties? Is there Green Bay yes. ties? Yeah. But like, McCarthy knows Nathaniel Hackett very well. Uh, I think like there was a clip from training camp or something where he said he babysat him, like like babysat Nathaniel Hackett oh, for Paul. Oh my! So like, there's definitely a connection there. Peyton says we have a Mike McCarthy clip reacting to the news yesterday. Yeah, I mean, obviously, just uh, you know, personally disappointed. You never want to see, you know, see a friend go through anything like this. Um, you know, and it's it, it's it, it's no fun. You know, that's for sure, especially in season. So. Um, uh, I know how much work he's put into this, and um, and, he'll, and he'll he'll bounce back. So, but yeah, that's um, obviously you know tough news for everybody that that has big love for Nathaniel. Who's coughing? I don't know who that was. What the heck? Here's here's the uh, the note from the Dallas Morning News in August in 1989 when Mike McCarthy was a graduate assistant at the University of Pittsburgh. Nathaniel Hackett was nine years old. McCarthy was working for Paul. One of his numerous tasks was to take Nathaniel to an amusement park. And so he literally like oh ran around my. with young nine-year-old Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> he is the fifth coach since 1970 not to finish his first season with his new team. The fifth coach. Nathaniel Hackett is gone, and now Sean Payton was trending. He is, and he was trending all day long as there are reports Sean Payton is putting together a dream team. Right now, headline by potential defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, who Cowboy fans know well. Can I make the joke? Can I make it, Sean? Your show? Hey, turn the music down for a quick sec, Peyton. I guess he couldn't hack it. Sean doesn't <laughs> like it. Move on. No, he doesn't. Music really back up. Wish he did not make the joke. So, Nathan, is NFL Films in here yet? Uh, not yet. Are they recording? Oh, they oh. just walked in. Hey, Hopefully, hey. they caught that joke. Hopefully, they <laughs> Hopefully they caught that joke. So NFL films. I can is, repeat it if you need. <laughs> you know, you don't have to. Tua is in concussion protocol again after he threw three straight interceptions to lose 
to the Green Bay Packers. Mike McDaniel, what, what, what's y'all's excuse this time? Are you going to debate? Is it is it a back issue this time for Tua? I care very deeply about each and every player. Um, I take that serious. So, you know, I just I just want him to get healthy and have peace of mind in that regard. And that's first and foremost. And then whatever those circumstances are after, you deal with after. But it's about the human being and making sure he's squared away. So Tua's like, I don't know when this happened. I don't know how it happened. The internet went and found the play when it looked like his head snapped back on the ground. And still somehow, he stayed in the game. Hard for me to defend my guy, Logic, after after this one. They don't even know when it happened. They couldn't tell. And Tua was clueless as well. Uh, so those are the big NFL storylines. Isn't isn't that supposed to be one of the the things? Isn't there supposed to be like surveillance for for concussions and stuff like? Because that was something that uh, think. we had with Nelson Aguilar recently, where he, where he stopped down the play. Luca scored fifty against the armpit, and then. The Mavs put up the best quarter of the NBA season against the Lakers on Christmas Day. 51 points in the third. They were trailing this whole game. They outscored LeBron 51-21 in the third. Tim Hardaway was going nuts as they beat L.A. 124-115. Christian Wood, on the day he was eligible for a new extension, had 30 and a career-high seven assists as they honored Dirk. Thank God they took the beads off the statue with the flamingo fade <laughs> out in front of the AAC. The statue looks awesome. So the Mavs beat the Lakers. What's going on with the Stars? The Stars, uh, they will take on the Nashville Predators tonight, 7 o'clock. So they will be in Nashville, similarly to the Cowboys, who will be there here in two days. Uh, but their last game was Friday night. Uh, they beat the Canadians 4-2. to two, uh, Four unanswered goals to finish that one up. Headlines on a Tolo Tuesday here on Sean and RJ. We got Bobby Bell. Choppy is off this week. Thank you for sticking with us and being a Tolo. That stands for turn it on, leave it on. Let's bring in the voice of the Cowboys. The Cowboys proved what? And does he have any issue with God and the Son after the Michael Gallup play? C.D. Lamb has proven he's a no-doubt legit number one. Let's recap the win over Filthy with Brad Sham next on The Fan. First and 10 from the 25. Gives it to Sanders. Fumble the ball! It's rolling loose. Still rolling loose. Oh, horrible things are happening on the ground there. Nasty, mean things are happening one human to another at the bottom of that pile. And the Cowboys have recovered a fumble. That was the voice of America's team, Brad Sham. Kind enough to join us on a Tolo Tuesday. Jerry Jones live at 8.30 this morning here on Sean and Bobby. It's DFW Sports Station 105.3. The By the way, all these people uh, as football, we got we, we to gotta pick and choose. You want to be entertained by football or you want your team to advance? David Hellman yesterday, just give me the rematch. Just give me, give me, no, give me Philly eliminated round one or whenever they play after their bye. And then let's go ahead and get the Cowboys with an easier path to Arizona. Yes, that was an amazing game. It was incredible, but you gotta be a Cowboy fan first before a sports fan. If you're a Cowboy fan, not just give me the rematch, give me round three in Philadelphia. No, give me the easier, give me the easier path. That's the problem. Hollywood Hellman is not a he. He's, he he just needs the entertainment for he wants for his the entertainment show. now. That's yeah. what that's what he's about. So he's, two, so two years ago he would have wanted Philly eliminated. Uh, I don't know. Probably still. Uh, yeah, I mean this is a, he's a Louisiana boy. Yeah. He, he grew up a Saints fan. Come on. But Brad <laughs> Sham, that was an epic Christmas Eve, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was fantastic. It was great entertainment, and and um, I do think it's helpful from a from the partisan point of view that most of us have, whoever you're cheering for. It's helpful to to remember when there's an epic game that it's a it's a game and it's an epic game. Yeah. And then if we are looking at it from a partisan lens, and certainly when Babe and Christy and I are working, we are. Then yeah, you're absolutely right. I I I want to see uh, Detroit or whoever it is come and beat uh, Philadelphia. I'd rather not play them again. I don't want to play San Francisco either. So uh, that doesn't mean that the Cowboys are afraid of them. Yeah. But yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see the Cowboys have the easiest path to advance. But I mean, it's both things can be true because you can be a Cowboy fan. That's why I don't understand all of the uh, uh, haters who apparently were on Twitter and and uh, calling the post-game show and, you know, the defense is horrible. The defense is not perfect, okay? Have you watched the Eagles at all this year? They're pretty good. Yeah. And, and they beat them, and they did what they had to do, and it was just a great game. Can't we just appreciate that and go on to the next one? Well, the haters were apparently listening to Jerry with us last week, and some of the national people lost their minds when Jerry said that Dak was outstanding against Jacksonville, and we agreed with Jerry. If he was outstanding against Jacksonville, what was he against the Eagles? Exceptional. Yeah. I mean, he made a mistake. That's all. One mistake. There. Th- th- this is what bothers me. Uh, <laughs> Babe tells a story, Sean, about uh, many years after Aikman had retired, things getting under his craw, and that he called Babe one day, and he was complaining about things in the universe, and he said, you know what really bothers me? That I let this crap bother me. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's kind of how I feel about people don't understand what it takes to play quarterback for a snap. The level at which Prescott is playing right now is good enough to win anything. Yeah. That doesn't mean they will. doesn't mean he's better than Brady or any of that. It means the level, if you objectively understand what he is trying to do, play to play and series to series, then it's impossible not to say that the level at which he's playing right now is good enough to win everything. And so that was... And part of that is coming back from your mistakes. Yeah. And he does that. Now, we'd all like to see him make fewer of those mistakes, and he's at the head of the list. But, yeah, he was really, really good. And if he keeps playing at the level at which he's playing, then they have a chance to win all of these games. He gives them a chance to win. Who do you think should feel better leaving Arlington after this game? The Eagles without Hurts? Or the Cowboys in the way that, you know, Dak and the offense perform? Yeah, I don't know that there's an answer to that. I think they both have reason to feel uh, very good for exactly those reasons. The, the, the game didn't really – I thought it was really odd going into it. The game didn't really mean anything. The Cowboys, um, now they've clinched uh, no worse than the fifth seed, and they stay alive for the division – title the likelihood that the Cowboys were not going to win one more game didn't seem very great to me the likelihood that the Eagles were going to lose out does not seem very great to me so the game in itself didn't mean as much as it looked like it meant but I think psychologically to the Cowboys uh, and I would think that the Hurts not being there 
was a factor in that. I think psychologically, they really needed to play well against possibly the best team in the league from the jump and and win the game. And for the Eagles, they played well. They stood in there and went toe-to-toe on the road, went right down to the end, and they didn't have the MVP. And so they can completely tell themselves, which we're fine. We're, we're, we lost twice. We're 13-2. and two. We're going to get Hurts back and kill them in Philly. Yeah. They can tell themselves that. So I, th- I don't think there's a should to it. I think they, they're both perfectly legitimate in feeling the way they feel. Brad Sham here on 105.3 The Fan. Here are my two hot takes about the game. The second one is the one I want you really to re- respond to, but feel free for either. One, I felt like the Cowboys got a little more fortunate in this game than Philly with some of the big plays, but my, my, my real positive for the Cowboys – I don't know that Jalen Hurts plays better if they have a rematch than Minshew did. Now, he's going to run more, right? They only ran for 87 yards. But you're going to tell me that Jalen Hurts is going to throw for 355? Minshew played well. As I was arguing with RJ last week, I'm like, Gardner Minshew's not a bum. And Brad, I thought he played very well. And I was asking myself, does does Hurts play this well or better if they match up a third time? What's your... What's your take on that? Um, so the um, what was the first one? A little more fortunate. The Cowboys, I thought, like yeah, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll I'll just push back a little on that, only because I thought that, um, especially with the with the takeaways, they kind of for you know they lead the league in in recovered fumbles, and most of those are forced. Yeah, and that when you get to be to have as many as they do, I don't think it's an accident. I think that was. Uh, some of Dallas's own luck that it made, <clears throat> but I, I, the only thing that I would differ with you about the the second point is I think that Hertz uh, is so, with everything around him. We saw it a little bit with Justin Fields. Hertz is—he's ha, ha, an underrated passer. He is a perfectly fine passer if he stood in the pocket. But the fact that he is so dangerous moving around in and out of the pocket, it affects where defenders go. And it's less about the yards to me than it is about how the defenders react. So you can you might have fewer passing yards out of Jalen Hurts, but you might cause more indecision on the part of the defensive players, which may – lead to really big critical plays. And I, I, I really think he's had an unusual, exceptional year. And I, I do think he's that dangerous. I don't think it guarantees that the Eagles win a third game, but I do think that they are more dangerous with Hertz than with Minshew. But I won't disagree with you about Minshew playing well and being a good quarterback. Brad, CeeDee Lamb obviously had a, a really great game on Saturday with the 10 catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. It felt a little bit, Sean and I were talking about this earlier, it felt a little bit almost like he could have gotten the ball even more. Like It felt like a game where he could have had 16 catches easily. How how big has he been in that connection with Dak Ben since Dak returned from the thumb injury? Yeah, huge. I mean, he's he has uh, completely... He literally had to shut everybody up because he played as badly as Dak and everybody else did in the first game. Mm-hmm. And it was clear that he thought he'd grown into the number one role, and he hadn't yet. But now he has. And he shut everybody up on that for me, you know, six, eight weeks ago. I don't know how long. 
uh, if that coincides with Dak coming back. Those, those numbers, and and you keep writing them, Bobby, and you're right. The numbers of what the offense has done since Prescott's been back in the lineup are irrefutable. And uh, he is a huge part of that. He has completely stepped up. And I will, <clears throat> I'll say this. The different one of the differences they're different players, but to me one of the differences between C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper as your number one receiver is one of the biggest reasons I think that they didn't want to throw that money at Cooper. And I'm not saying I agree with the move, mm-hmm. but I think one of the reasons they didn't want to is in the biggest crunchiest games and times. Will Cooper be there? Will he fight for everything? Will he will he get hurt? Will he just not feel it today? They, I don't know if that's a, a fair characterization of him or not, but I do think it's one they kind of had, and I don't think anybody feels that about CeeDee Lamb. Once the game starts, put him on the field. He's there. Every play, every route, he may still have to learn some nuances. No one would say he's the route runner that Amari Cooper is, but there's no question. I think you'll see it reflected when it comes extension time here when the season ends for him. Uh, No one questions where is C.D. Lamb when the fighting is the heaviest and we need him to step up. Mm. He will be exactly right there. And you're right, he could have. And I would add this, not just as it pertains to Lamb, but I think it also applies to what they could have done in the game. Excuse me. The next two weeks, just don't everybody overreact at what you see. They are uh, trying recipes for the next two. They want to win. They're going to try to win both games. They're trying recipes. Mm. Secondary combinations, route tree combinations, what will work in the playoffs? They've, they've virtually said it right out loud. If you ask them that question right now, they would say, no, we're going to try to win the game. But they virtually told us we are trying things to make sure that we are primed when the first playoff game comes. So I think that how, many, how much they could have done with Lamb on Saturday is a little bit of a reflection of that. We don't have to do that. Like T.Y. Hilton. Everybody wants to see T.Y. Hilton catch 10 balls the next two games. I don't know if T.Y. Hilton will catch two, but they know where he is now. They know what they can get from him. Everything they do in the next two weeks is about three weeks from now. Brad Sham here on The Fan. Have you gotten a chance to chat with T.Y. at all or any other opening impressions? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I think it's – He's an interesting guy. He certainly can still play. We are, we may be, we may be entering a new era of professional football where a guy is a, a veteran guy who just really doesn't kind of want to yet, and now he does. I do know this, Sean. I know for a fact they were talking to him in training camp, and um, at at the time uh, when nothing seemed to be going right before they came home. He w- there were a few guys that they were talking to, veteran guys, and all of them, including him, at that point back in um, early August, they were all these candidates for receiver were still rehabbing injuries or surgeries, and they also didn't necessarily want to go to training camp. They didn't want to play the whole season. So now you have uh, Jason Peters and. 
even though he's not a receiver, and T.Y. Hilton as examples of, um, you know, let me just stay ready. I, I don't belong to anybody, and then uh, I'll belong to the highest bidder when, when we start to get close to the playoffs. Maybe that's a trend. We'll see. Brad, where would the Cowboys be at this point of the season if they didn't have Deron Bland playing the way that he is? They'd be in trouble. <laughs> they, they, they'd be in trouble. You know what's amazing to me, Bobby, is that uh, I, I, they put him in the slot, as you know, right away. Mm-hmm. And what attention did I pay to Fresno State <laughs> or Sacramento State the year before that where he was? And so I just thought that he would, they saw him as a slot because he was a slot guy and and I didn't realize until I was talking to him a few weeks ago, he never played the slot till he got here. Mm-hmm. He, he's been an outside corner his whole life. So when they said, okay, uh, Joseph's not getting it done, Brown's gone, um, you're, we're going to try you back outside, that was sending him home. The real story is how well he played when Jordan Lewis got hurt because that was his unnatural position. And so now he's getting some confidence. He's feeling like he's back where he belongs. And uh, until we see otherwise, I think that they have figured out who their number two corner is going forward, not just for this year. And so now now we'll say, and by the way, now throw Nashawn Wright in there, who is starting to show a little bit of, uh, of what they thought they were drafting. That was clearly the best game of his career. Uh, playing on Saturday, and so now if they want to go to a nickel, and I would expect to see some of this the next two weeks. They go to a nickel, they'll slide Bland back inside and put right out on the outside, and let's see how that looks. But uh, what Bland has done has been an absolute revelation. I asked him last week, if, if I told you in Oxnard that at Christmas you were going to lead this team in interceptions, what would you have said? He just laughed. He said, yeah, that, that I wouldn't have seen that one coming. Is, is the best thing, I know you started off talking about Cowboys defense a little bit, is the best thing you can say about them right now is that they're opportunistic with the turnovers? Is that the best thing you can say? Coming out of Saturday, I mean, I, I still think that uh, the, the, who they are <clears throat> really is somewhere in between uh, what they were earlier in the year and what they – you know, have appeared to be the last couple of weeks, but when they, I think they'll, they'll get Hankins back when they uh, go to the playoffs, that will help the interior. I think there's reason to uh, be hopeful, if not expect that they'll have Vander Esch back and that will absolutely help. And uh, now they know some things that they have to address going forward in the future, but um, yeah, uh, teams are going to try to run on them. And uh, the and if you get in the playoffs, if you're playing, um, even Tampa. I mean, if you saw any of the game they played, there have been so many games the last couple of days. I think it was Sunday night. I mean, they're going to try to run Fournette and the and the kid from Arizona, and that you know let Brady you know check it down until they need him to be Tom Brady, which we did not see in September. We didn't see that because they were Cowboys were so inept in that game that Tom Brady never had to be Tom Brady and win the game. And now it's a different Dallas team in a good way, and it's a different Tampa team in not such a good way, but still a pretty good team. And I'm giving it to them. They may not beat Carolina. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the best thing you can say is that they, they don't quit. Uh, they, I, do, I think they have great player leadership from within, particularly Kirsten Lawrence. Um, I think that uh, – and the fact that they 
uh, are are opportunistic about going and getting the ball. This statistic that I saw the other day, that uh, maybe they put it out, um, the fact that no, they lead the league in takeaways again, and no team has led the league in takeaways two years in a row in 50 years. Steelers. Since the early 70s Steelers. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that I don't think that's an accident. Now, I think that's worth paying attention to. If there's, if you're only going to be able to say one good thing about them, that's not a bad thing to say. What are your thoughts on the sun? <laughs> it, to quote my good friend Jason Garrett, <laughs> the sun has been rising in the east and setting in the west, the same place for billions of years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I thought it was really funny. And completely accurate for McCarthy to respond to Michael Gelkin of the Morning News' question about it yesterday. Did you hear what he said? No. He's at, at his press conference, and Gelkin said, well, you know, what about the sun? And and uh, and so McCarthy laughed and said, yeah, that, that's, that's all on Kellen for running a route into that corner. <laughs> and he said, uh, what the hell do you want me to say to that question? Merry Christmas to you, too, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and seriously, what's he supposed to say? That's the that is the baby of of uh, the Jones family. It's not just Jerry. The design of the thing, uh, people very dear and close to Jerry uh, were in charge of that, and they are reluctant, and that's being kind to alter in any way the aesthetic look. Now. Will someday something happen, and Jerry will will say, "I'm sorry, we're putting up curtains." I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Well, they have but, curtains, though. Like I've seen curtains at other events that they use them for. It's just they don't want to draw them for the game. Well, don't you talk to Jerry all the time? Well, he'll come on in one hour. We'll ask him. <laughs> there we'll you ask go. Interior. How about the curtains, Jerry? How about the curtains? Yes, exactly. Any player shows coming up? Uh, well, not uh, not this week. Short week. It's it's uh, Thursday, but uh, uh, we will be back at uh, CityWorks next Monday night. And I think I know who the guest is, but I haven't seen confirmation, so we'll hold off on saying that. Happy holidays, brother! Thanks for joining us this morning. Love you. Absolutely, absolutely. Talk to you later, Brad Sham, the voice of the Dallas Cowboys on the Diamond Factory Hotline. Look, one of the things that. It's a talking point. It's a major talking point. Jerry's probably going to get a little bit pissed. Uh, maybe he'll put Gene on. Gene will be there, and I'll say, <laughs> hand the phone to Gene uh, for the interior decorations. But I guess the, it comes down to, and this isn't going to be a factor anymore. We don't think the rest of the season, right? Home games are done. But would you rather the sun be in the stadium or not? Let's just simplify it. Let's just dumb it down. Should the sun, should you just take what comes with it? and design and run offensive plays away from the lights or eliminate it as a factor in the game. But, I mean, how many times has that been a factor? Bobby, like, it doesn't many, many, matter. It does. It's, it's, been a, it's been a factor a handful of times enough to where everyone's going to lose their mind. If well, First off, they lost their mind with the Gallup play. Uh-huh. But in a playoff game or a big major, just eliminate it. Just eliminate it as a factor. I mean, you can't. Why you have curtains? People tweet me from concerts yeah. and shows, and you have curtains. Why don't you just pull them? Pull them over. 
the aesthetics of the stadium, they never opened the roof. Yeah, but he like I mean the design of the aesthetics with the glass doors and everything else, that's the way it was designed. And and at that point it's gonna be like, okay, why did I do this at all? Why is the glass here? You don't think it makes you it don't up? think it makes them look dumb when at halftime and they're driving towards or Maher's kicking, there's the view behind from the cameras of the sun blinding the putt. You don't think it looks dumb at all? It makes us look a little bit stupid? Sure, sure. It okay, does, it does, so it does look great. But pull my, the curtain. My, my point is, like, every stadium has their quirks. Like, like, And I don't think it's burned them enough. You turn into that, a homer, Ted. That's, what is homer about that? NFL Films comes in here, and oh you're like, let me, let me pound, Dude, wave said, the cowboy flag. I said this at 6 a.m., too. The, like, like I've said, it's, yeah, because you probably thought they were listening. And you know why? You know why you haven't heard me say it before? Because it happens so infrequently that it hasn't been a question since I got on the show. Boy, you've been on the show for a month. I know that's what I'm saying. In a month, that yeah, hasn't we've, happened. We've so. talked about it. You know. Okay. Well, that's Jerry. I'll take the bullet. All I'll right. take the Jerry bullet coming up at uh, at eight thirty. But I'll make sure to add the caveat, Jerry. I don't agree with what Sean's about to ask. You should. That'll soften it. <laughs> there you uh, go. You know, one other thing um, that has Jerry Jones in the news. Uh, he has been ordered, because we are a news station as well, he has been ordered to uh, take a paternity test. So the judge has said with that case of the biological father, the North Texas woman, Alexandra Davis, uh, you need to go ahead and she wants to prove that you're her, her dad, so you need to go ahead and take it. So that news came out over the weekend. Must submit to paternity testing. I know there were uh, there were... Some who who thought we were all trying to figure out like they just won a big game. Surely Jerry's gonna talk, and there were a couple people who were like, maybe not. Oh, you thought maybe someone, so there were a couple. Someone was gonna ask about that. There were a couple people who said maybe he won't talk because maybe that that. But uh, ultimately, I mean, he came out. He was. They just beat the Eagles on Christmas Eve. There was zero chance he wasn't gonna come out there and, and bask in the glory of that. Eighty. That's what I said to a man. I said, you imagine an eighty, you get hit. With a fraternity test. Man. <laughs> Dang. On Christmas Eve. <laughs> oh, is that? Well, what, I mean, it was, was it, it Christmas broke Eve? on Christmas. It, broke, on it Christmas. Bro- broke right around there. Yeah. So that news came out. Uh, the young lady wants to prove what she's been saying. And the court said, you need to go ahead and take one. All right. Uh, or we're going to prove just how awful Philadelphia is at 8 o'clock. Peyton was spying on WIP. This piece of garbage trash. This this Dak. I didn't even want to talk about it. I didn't even want to retweet or give it any attention. But we'll throw oh, it in. Yeah. I mean, come on. What a... The the people the... were asking me about this at a Christmas party, and I was like, "You saw? Did it blow up to this degree? With this, with this piece of crap said about Dak and his family? I was like, did it get that big? I thought it was just one tweet isolated that people took off of Instagram, but." Yeah, no, it was it was one of those where it got viral really quickly because of fans, and then it got bigger because Tad, Dak's brother, like was addressing it, okay, and like replying to stuff about it, and so that you know caused it to to pick up more momentum and blow up even more. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I it, I don't even want to necessarily read what he said. It's just awful. It's 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 awful, you know. Uh, but he went right back on. He deleted that one that guy did on his Instagram page, and he posted another one after it blew up. So he knows he's getting attention for it now. That's all he's doing. He's just being a terrible person. But all right, we'll get to it at eight. Jerry live at eight thirty. I am going to ask Jerry about Miles Austin gambling. How about this? The former Cowboy, current receivers coach for the Jets is being suspended for at least one year for violating the NFL's gambling policy. He was not betting on the NFL or college football, mm-hmm. and he's still getting lit up. Now, you have to abide by this. 
Yeah. Same exact policy, right? As a NFL Network producer. Yeah, yeah. So I had told, like, I was talking to G Bag about this on Friday that there is zero chance he didn't know, like, that he was allowed to do this. Like, like he knows he's not allowed to do this. They they make us do this at NFL Network. We have to do the because we're under the NFL umbrella. We have to do the uh, gambling compliance training every single year. It's like a one-hour slideshow. It's very direct of, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. Here's a quiz at the end to show you know what you're not allowed to do. There's signs posted in, in facilities across the league that say, you're not allowed to bet. There's In the gambling training, There's a here's a tip line that you call to tell anybody if somebody's trying to get gambling info from you. There's zero chance, and, and they make it very clear. It does not matter that it's football. It cannot be any sport. Okay. You're not allowed to bet on it. Okay, They're- that's the big question everyone has. Why can't you bet on the Mavs-Lakers game? Why can't you bet on what the Stars are going to do? What's it matter? I mean, I don't make the rules. No, no just, but, but what's your understanding of my, it? What, my what, guess, I, I don't know. My uh, my guess would be... What would if, be an explanation that makes sense? I don't know. If you're allowed to have athletes gambling on other sports, it'd be easier to trade information with each other. Okay. I'm just saying athletes know athletes. They have access to that. That's probably but, related to Okay, that. but Miles is a coach. You're a producer. Like, can you go to Winstar and bet and gamble? Yeah, you can do like you can do like casino gambling for like slot machines and stuff like that. You just can't do sports betting at all. I that's why whenever Sandler asks me to do the uh the fantasy or the or the pick'em league, it's like, well, no, I can't bet like the cat I think the limit can you play I, I might, fantasy might, football? Not if there's a big enough pot. I think I've got to go back and look at. I got to do my gambling training. I think again, like right now, actually, <laughs> clearly, uh, no. But I think the limit is like one fifty. There's like a limited pot. See, NFL films in here tell me, yeah, it's it's two fifty. Two fifty <laughs> is the is the pot limit. So if it's any if it's anything so about two hundred dollars, if it's pot. above two hundred fifty, you can't. But play. you can't bet on a college basketball game for a hundred dollars. Nope. But why can't you do fantasy football for up to two fifty? I don't know. It's just the rule. <laughs> It's just the rule. I mean, they're, like I said, they're very serious about it. They don't want any of the information. They, they There's a whole section in the training that says, like, if somebody's just asking you about injuries, you're not even allowed to tell them, like, about injuries or speculate on availability or any of that. So, he, like I said. While they're, they're embracing they're, FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, there's zero chance, though. Zero chance that he didn't know. I like don't care. But, but I'm I, just saying he can't claim ignorance. The rules yeah. are the rules. He knew what they were, and he did it. So I mean, they were tracking him at the facility. Yeah, uh, he had been making online bets while at the facility, which is <laughs> also against NFL rules. They tracked him on a website, according to ESPN. So that's Miles Austin, the former Cowboy, betting on other sports, that getting was, busted for a year. That was something that uh, Ian, I think, had reported was that uh, not just that, but when the gambling partnership started with the league, is that a benefit of the league is they viewed it as well. We can also you you know use these partners as surveillance to make sure that we're not having any impropriety and stuff like that. That's how Calvin Ridley got caught. It was a betting. It was the betting partner in Florida was using surveillance and said, "Hey, there's a name here that's popping up." All right, let's talk about gambling now. Segway. Okay. Uh, so this people kind of were stunned yesterday when I tweeted this. So I'm going through my work emails and everything and. Sportsbetting.ag sent me these odds. Mm -hmm. The Dallas Mavericks are the favorites to get Trey Young. Trey Young's next team, Mavs plus 250, Miami plus 350, then Boston, Denver, Lakers, Spurs. But they're the Dallas Mavericks as the favorites, according to this gambling website, to get Trey Young, and you kind of made a face. Because what is that? How does that make any sense? 
Well, it's, the part it doesn't make sense about is the Mavs have nothing to offer. Well, there's that. But even like pairing, like, you mean if, like if, on your team, if you have the capital go to go get a player of Trey Young's caliber, why are you going to get Trey Young? Why are you not trying to go get somebody else who's got similar value? Like you want ball dominant, like Trey Young, who has problems playing off the ball with yeah. ball dominant Luka who has trouble playing off the ball. It sounds, sounds flashier than I think it would actually be way more style over substance. Like, we talked about this last week a little bit when the rumors came out Trey may want out of Atlanta. I'm like, eh. First off, you can't get him here. But second off, what does that make the Mavs in the West? You add Trey Young with Christian Wood and Luka. How much more dangerous are they? Um, they are, I mean, theoretically, are they more dangerous than last year's team that made the West Finals? I mean, Trey Young is Tim Hardaway Jr. right now. This season, that's who he's been. It's 40% from the field. It's 30% from three. So I don't know how much more dangerous. That, and plus, we just, you don't know what that chemistry fit is. We all thought that KP was going to be a chemistry fit for Luka, and he wasn't. And so, man, there's a lot to overcome. Look how difficult it is to get two ball dominant players to play together. Like, it was just finally clicked for Boston last year that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were able to play together. That's a really hard mix to make work. And people get mad over Luka's. Shot selection. My God. <laughs> the 40-foot just YOLO This guy ball. heaves it. What do y'all think? TruckRant.com text line. 877-881-1053. Adam, Tolo, what a dynamite pairing it would be. Mavs immediately become title contenders. From Greeny, this would not make any sense. Skyler, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Uh, Lone Star, how the hell are we favorites to get Trey Young? We got nothing uh, to give up. Lewis. Cuban going to screw it up. Pat, offense would be so insane, I'll take it. Uh, two point guards whose biggest flaws are defense and playing without the ball, teaming up would be a horrible, horrible fit. That from Chris B. It would be horrible. Trey's the worst defender in the NBA. But why? So, a lot of Mass fans are agreeing with us. Uh, it would not... It would not be something special. 940, Trey Young is a volume shooter and he wouldn't take enough shots to be efficient. 214, hell no, we don't need that drama. 972, nope. Uh, 469, if it makes Luca happy, do it. So that's some of the, the feedback there. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing. What if Luca is like pounding the table for it? got to learn to ignore it, right? You got to make the best decision because if it doesn't work, he's not going to go, well, you know, you got me, Trey Young, so I'm going to stay. No, it's going to be like, I can't win a title here. I'm gone. And then James Harden? What? Woj reported Harden is interested in going back to Houston. What is wrong with this guy? I, I don't know. I, I mean, this is the last several years. He's just... and He's the, crazy. The problem is that you, he's not a fit... Like, I mean, he's never been super efficient. But the problem is that he doesn't make enough plays any longer. He doesn't play at a high enough level to where you'll put up with this kind of wishy-washiness. Because remember what... Why but, would you go to the Rockets? Now, you know what the answer is home familiarity nah still a lot of people there who love him mm. when you, when your game starts to slip you just want to be loved yeah kind of they're getting warmer it's the odell beckham it's the odell beckham like let me go where where i'm gonna be loved and have my hand held <sighs> the strip clubs <laughs> why does he go to atlanta then philly versus houston that's what i don't know i can't speak to it that's what the tolos are saying the houston strip clubs versus the philly strip clubs well there you go james harden would want to go back to a total rebuild versus a title contender. He wants to be loved man. right now in Philly. Okay, uh, Peyton was spying on Philly radio. 
We have the audio. He said it's awesome. Apparently their entire holiday was ruined after what happened on Christmas Eve. Uh, So we'll spy on Filthy. Jerry Jones around the corner as well. Sean and Bobby right here on The Fan.